Hello everyone, welcome to 360 on History, your one-stop resource for blogs, podcasts and videos on science, history and nature. Please check out the website 360onhistory.com, join us on social media and subscribe to 360 on History podcast on YouTube. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever you get your podcasts. We've all heard of Frankenstein, a novel that can be considered the first true science fiction story written by Mary Shelley in 1880. But perhaps not many of us will know of Mary Shelley's mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, an English writer, philosopher, and most importantly, an advocate of women's rights regarded as one of the founding feminist thinkers. Mary Wollstonecraft is whom we are going to talk about today. Born on 27th April 1759, she was the second of seven children and her father was a farmer. Although her family had a comfortable income, her father squandered it all and their financial situation became unstable. He was also abusive to her mother and to Mary as well. She left home in 1778 to become a lady's companion, but then had to return to take care of her dying mother. With her sisters and her friend Fanny Blood, Mary set up a school in Newington Green, Islington. Fanny, with whom Mary was very close, got married and moved to Portugal, where her health deteriorated and she became pregnant. Mary left the school and went to nurse her, but Fanny died. Because of Mary's absence, the school also failed. Mary was devastated with Fanny's death and it was part of the inspiration for her first and only complete novel, Mary of Fiction, written later on in 1778. Mary then worked as a governess in Ireland in 1785, but left after a year to become an author at a time when it was not easy for women to support themselves through writing. In a letter to her sister, Mary wrote that she was trying to become the first of a new genus. Her experiences at the school and as a governess inspired her to write Thoughts on Education of Daughters with reflections on female conduct in the more important duties of life, which she wrote in 1787, and it was her first published work. The book encourages mothers to teach their daughters analytical thinking, self-discipline, honesty, contentment in their social position, and marketable skills in case they should ever need to support themselves. But the book primarily confines women to being wives and mothers. After moving to London, she learned German and French and in 1788 began working as a translator and reviewer of novels for publisher Joseph Johnson, who also helped her to find a place to live in London. Her experiences before and during this time considerably expanded her intellect, not least because she met with figures like Thomas Paine and William Godwin at Joseph Johnson's house. She started a relationship with Swiss painter Henry Fuseli, despite him being married. Inspired by the French Revolution and in response to Whig MP Edmund Burke's conservative critique of the revolution, she wrote Vindications of the Rights of Men in a letter to the Right Honorable Edmund Burke 
which was published on 29th November 1790, initially anonymously. In this, she criticized the monarchy and hereditary privilege and wrote a scathing response to Burke's conservative political ideas. The second edition of A Vindication of the Rights of Men was published on 18th December, and this time the publisher revealed Wollstonecraft's name as the author. She became famous overnight. Writing The Rights of Men and her later additions to it honed Mary's ideas, and this culminated in one of the earliest works of what we now call feminist philosophy. It was called A Vindication of the Rights of Woman with Strictures on Political and Moral Subjects, which she wrote in 1792. Now remember, in those days, feminism as we know it did not exist. In this book, she stresses the education of women and maintains that women should have the same fundamental rights as men as companions to their husbands, not as property. Her main aim was to illustrate the limitations that a lack of proper education had on women and that they should be encouraged to expand their minds rather than focusing on beauty, not completely relying on feelings, which are harmful to society as a whole. She wanted women to be more rational, using feelings and rationality together most of the rhetoric is directed at Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who had written a meal in which he had stated, among other things, that women do not need to be educated, but for the pleasure of men. Let's be clear though, Mary did not want to drastically change the order of things. She still considered men stronger, but she wanted women, especially middle-class women, to better their situation through education. Her most famous quote is, I do not wish them, meaning women, to have power over men, but over themselves. Again, she is still a woman of her time and did not seem to have extensive empathy for the poor. She maintained that after the age of nine, poor children, other than those who are brilliant, should be taught in a separate school from the rich children. So there is ambiguity in her thinking regarding women's rights and equal rights. But still, she went beyond the current norms and laid the foundations of what was to later become feminism. The novel she had written in 1788 called Mary a Fiction and her later one, Maria or the Wrongs of Woman, which was published posthumously, both view marriage as a patriarchal institution. And the wrongs of woman also seems to hint at cross-class interests of women. Her book, Letters Written in Sweden, Norway and Denmark from 1796 is a personal travel narrative and talks about the relationships between self and society. After her relationship with Fuseli inevitably broke down, she even went to France to observe the French Revolution. There, she lived with the American Captain Gilbert Imlay and had a daughter with him. This relationship also broke down, causing Mary to attempt suicide. She returned to London and again started working for Johnson and again meeting such luminaries as William Godwin, Thomas Paine, William Blake and even William Wordsworth. In 1796, she began a relationship with William Godwin 
and married him in March 1797 after becoming pregnant. However, Mary Wollstonecraft died 11 days after giving birth to her daughter on September 10, 1797 at the age of 38. Now, how did she disappear into obscurity? Her husband, William Godwin, wrote his memoirs of her, in which he de detailed her affairs, illegitimate child, and suicide attempts. The man probably thought he was being a loving husband, but this kind of set the stage for vitriol against him, as well as ruining her reputation. The disappearance of Wollstonecraft from public imagination had begun and lasted for at least a century. Her attackers stipulated that no self-respecting woman would read her work through a sustained attack that went on for decades. Poems were written about her and the press lambasted her mercilessly. No one wanted to defend her legacy until the suffragette Millicent Fawcett a hundred years later. It was only by the 19th century that women's rights activists rehabilitated her work. At the start of the modern feminist move movement, Virginia Woolf and others embraced her work and life. By the 1960s and 70s, Mary's work returned to prominence with the emergence of feminist criticism in academia. In the 1980s and 90s, scholars described her as a woman of her time, demonstrating a continuity between her thoughts and the important ideas of the 18th century. So why are we talking about her today? Well, a new statue for Mary Wollstonecraft by artist Maggie Hambling went on display recently on Newington Green, Islington, near the school that Mary founded. The sculpture is not of Mary. The inscription says it is for her. It shows a nude every woman and has garnered simultaneous critique and admiration from various circles. I haven't seen it yet and you'll have to go see for yourselves to decide what you think. But what we think of the statue is not important. What is important is what, that we remember the woman who was Mary Wollstonecraft, someone who considered education and rationality for women important, who was a rebel and a pioneer, and who was regarded as the mother of feminism. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you again soon.